All right. Hey, guys, thanks for tuning in. This is part four of the As You Go series. My name is Chris Marsman. I'm a member here at the Oxford Vineyard Church. Uh, my wife, Catherine, and I and our little guy, Theo, um, who just turned one, actually, on May 3rd. Um, we have been living here in Oxford for quite a while. Um, Catherine and I actually met here at the Oxford Vineyard back in 2010. We were in the other building at the time. Um, I am a member of the worship team along with Catherine, and um, I also work as a pharmacist at Mercy Fairfield Hospital over there off of 275 near Bassboro. Um, I'm super excited to share with you guys today and con continue this as you go series. This is part four. Um, parts one, two, and three have been started by John and Parker, and um, we're digging into some really good stuff. So um, I always like to make objectives for my presentations, and so some objectives for today, moving forward. Um, so first, I want to read the scripture that's kind of launched this whole As You Go series. Um, we've been studying Matthew 10, 7 through 8, and I'll read that here in a minute. And um, then I want to give you some thoughts that I have personally on the scripture. Um, Parker and John have already kind of built up the series really well, but I kind of want to just um, kind of wrap up a few things that they've said and launch forward into kind of a new direction with these, these two verses. Um, and then I want to kind of target some specific questions that sometimes people have and provide some answers and some insight that I, that I have personally. Um, and then my goal is to kind of wrap all of that up and leave you with a challenge for the week. So before we get into all that, let's just pray because um, it's always needed. So Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Lord, thank you for all the people that are tuning in and a part of the Oxford Vineyard Church and our community. Jesus, I just pray that you bless all of the churches this morning and this day in the Oxford community, Lord. Um, we just lift up all the pastors and all of the communities and all of the community members, Jesus. Father, I pray that in this trying time, Lord, where we can't be physically present all the time, Lord, I pray that there is community, Lord, and I pray that community is strong. Uh, Lord, teach us more about your kingdom and teach us more about your goodness, Jesus. Holy Spirit, fill this place right now. Fill me as I'm speaking, Lord. I just want to be your mouthpiece um, to deliver your good news and to um, just bring and breathe life into your people. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so let's jump in. Um, I'm going to read Matthew 10, 7 through 8, which is the scripture that we've been kind of looking at and using as our launchpad for this As You Go series. It says, Proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, and cast out demons. So, this is an awesome scripture. And it's a scripture that I actually found when I was here at Miami. Um, a little bit about my background. I grew up in a Christian home, um, but I didn't necessarily walk as a Christian. I didn't really know Jesus for real until um, the summer between my sophomore and junior year here at Miami. And um, Matthew 10, 7 through 8 is one of the first verses I found that kind of brought into light my mission and my purpose in Jesus here um, in this world. Specifically for me, I felt like it was here in Oxford. Um, but the revelation I had was that 
as I'm going through life, I need to be proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is near. And that things like healing and raising of the dead and the cleansing of lepers and casting out demons, that all of these things are true and they still happen. And um, that was something that I had not really heard a lot of my life. And so it really radically changed who I am who, or who I was at the time, and it really formed who I am today. So um, John and Parker have started with the series and kind of spent a lot of time talking about the proclaiming as you go and talking about how, how to uh, bring the kingdom of heaven into the place with you. Um, Parker had a really awesome talk last week, which I encourage you to go back and listen to. Um, I believe it's available on the Facebook page and also on the Oxford Vineyard Church website. Um, but just to kind of summarize a couple of things that he talked about, um, he hit on the point that the word proclaim in these verses is actually a root word, which is also to herald or to be a herald. And Parker really dove into this, which is really cool. And the way that he explained it was incredible. But basically, when what Jesus is telling us to do in the scripture is to declare with authority and declare with urgency that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heralds used to stand on the street and proclaim so loud that everyone and anyone on the street corners would tune in and want to know what they're talking about. That's the urgency that we need to feel when we're declaring that the kingdom of heaven is near. The other thing he touched on was just being citizens of heaven. And he kind of explained what the citizenship in heaven looks like. Um, these are all things that are fundamental to who we are as believers and moving forward with this whole series. So I'm excited to talk with you guys today because they've specifically asked me to talk about healing the sick. And healing the sick is one of the four portions to the last, to that second verse, healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers and casting out demons. And all of these, like I said a minute ago, still happen. And it was, I was blown away to come to the reality and knowledge that these things actually do happen. And a lot of the world denies that they happen or have never seen them. So I'm excited to share with you today about my experiences with healing the sick, um, kind of unpack that a little bit and help answer some questions for you. So first thing with both of these verses is I can't help but to see these verses as primary and secondary objectives. So um, right now I'm doing some research at our hospital, and I won't go into all the details because it's kind of tedious, but we had to write a proposal to even do the research, and we had to lay out exactly what we wanted to do, how we were going to do it, the data we were going to collect, um, and, the, and we had to craft the purpose of our research. And the purpose of the research is the primary objective. But then we also have these things called secondary objectives, which are also important, but not directly, they aren't direct intents. They just kind of help develop and help shape that primary objective. And so that's kind of the framework that I see this verse. So our primary objective, the thing that Jesus is telling us to do is to go into the world and to declare that the kingdom of heaven is near. That is our primary objective. The secondary objectives are healing the sick, raising the dead, 
cleansing the lepers and casting out demons. These, these, aren't, these things in themselves are excellent things, but they are not primary objectives. They're secondary objectives. And just like in my research, these secondary objectives help to shape the way that the world interprets us proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is near. So I've been asking myself a lot, who are the sick? When Jesus says heal the sick, who, who is he talking about? What does that mean? Who, what do they look like? Are they specific people? Is it something we can see with our eyes? In the field of medicine, the patients that I see every day, you can tell they're sick. They have broken limbs or um, they have disease states which are making them appear sick. Um, it might be disease states and things like that. But I want to just kind of challenge you that there's, more, there's way more to sickness than just what a physical appearance is showing you. So in thinking about this, I wanted to kind of put a definition on sick. And this is purely my own definition. Um, the definition that I came up with was a sick person is one who has an inability to function in the way that they were intended. So I'll say that again. So a sick person is someone who has an inability to function in the way they were in, in the way they were intended. So there's a couple pieces to that, right? Because sickness is an inability, but it also recognizes that something is broken and something isn't working the way it's supposed to. And one of the things that we always come back to here at Oxford Vineyard Church is the fact that every person, no matter where you are or who you are, has a specific purpose and destiny here on earth. The Lord has put you here for a purpose. And if you are not achieving that purpose, there is an avenue for healing. And there's an avenue that Jesus wants to break in and help release you into that destiny. And I think it's a pretty exciting thing. So if you think about it like that, if you think about sickness as an inability to function as intended, that could be a variety of things. That could be um, emotional, spiritual, physical, relational. A lot of these types of sicknesses can be unseen and, in, and invisible to the naked eye. And one thing that... Um, I've been guilty of, and I'm trying to get better at, is when I look, when I'm eager to go out and try and like see people healed, and I have done this before, I've been guilty of making healing the sick my primary objective. Sometimes I would, I would only look for the people that are physically injured. So the person in the cast, the person with their arm in a sling or in a wheelchair, those are the easy people that we think that person's sick and that person needs healing. And absolutely, 100%, Jesus loves to heal those people. And, and I have personally seen those people healed. I know that, I know testimonies from people that are close to me of um, people praying over someone in a wheelchair and that person standing up out of the wheelchair and walking away or leaving that wheelchair or leaving their cane at the restaurant that they had brought it to because Jesus had healed them. And so those things definitely do happen, but what I want to challenge you 
is that there are people walking around you right now that need healing, but it's a healing that you guys can't see. And so my challenge for myself is asking the Holy Spirit to reveal to me the ways in which the people around me need healing. Um, I'm definitely not a Greek or Hebrew scholar, like a lot of our friends here at Oxford Vineyard Church, um, but because I've hung out with Josh and Parker a bunch, I do know that the Greek word used in these verses um, for the word heal is actually sozo. So the word sozo, S-O-Z-O, is used throughout the, <laughs> used throughout the New Testament um, to encompass every part of healing. So it's these things I've been talking about. It's salvation. It's deliverance. It's emotional, it's physical, it's relational healing, and it's spiritual healing. And so Jesus is saying in these verses, go out and restore those who are broken to wholeness. And that brokenness isn't only physical. And so we need to retrain our brains to recognize that the healing that people need could be a variety of different things. And so that healing then restores that ability to function as Jesus intended them to, um, which is incredible. So um, I want to answer or at least kind of target a few questions that people might struggle with or um, even questions that I've asked myself. There's been definitely some times where healings don't go the way I had intended them to. And so I just want to spend a few minutes and target three specific questions um, about healing. So the first question is, how do I know that God wants to heal in every situation? And just to preface, all of these questions I'm going to ask, we could do a whole entire series on just these questions. So I'm not going to, I'm just going to, we're just going to dip our toes into my perspective there are lots of verses and lots of stories in the Bible that kind of touch on all of these. But for this first question, how do I know that God wants to heal in every situation? The first thing that comes to my brain is a scripture that I pray over Theo every night. Um, when I, whether I put him down to bed myself or Catherine does and then I go to bed later, I always sneak into his room at some point and pray this scripture over him. And it's Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And that story is from the Old Testament. And that's just a glimpse at the Lord's heart. And would a God that plans to prosper you and not to harm you not want to heal you? It just doesn't make sense. And we sing songs in church all the time about how good God is. And, and God is a loving father. I know that personally, and we talk about it all the time. And God as a loving father wants to bring restoration. He wants to restore his relationship with his people. I mean, he, there's so many analogies in the Bible of, of Jesus calling us his bride and going to prepare a place for us. 
And the idea that Jesus wouldn't want to heal just doesn't make sense with who the Jesus we know and that we see in, in the Bible. Um, question two, second question that I want to talk about. What does it mean if healing doesn't happen in the moment? Does it mean God didn't want me to get healed? Does it mean God didn't want the other person to get healed? Oh man, these are questions. This, this whole idea is something that I struggled with for a very long time. And anyone who has been open to healing has, has probably at some point <laughs> been disappointed when healing doesn't happen. And if you haven't been disappointed when healing doesn't happen, come find me because I want to know your secrets. Um, but I think it really comes down to perspective. And is the, the thought I've had is I can't let my expectations of the healing get in the way of the healing that Jesus wants to provide. And the story that I think of in this situation is a story that Becky Maglich um, told me quite a few years ago. And if you guys don't know Becky Maglich, she is an incredible woman who has so many stories of God's goodness and miracles and provision. Um, if you get the privilege to meet her, just just pick her brain about any of these things, and I guarantee you, you will be blown away. But the story that I'm specifically referring to is a story where Becky knew a woman that um, had arthritis in her in her hands, and her hands were um, crumpled up, and she was unable to extend her fingers. And so the um, I can't remember the setting exactly. It was either a conference or a church or maybe even street ministry or something. Um, but the woman was receiving prayer for healing for her hands that were crumpled. And um, the people and the believers were pulling out every, every scripture they could think of. And every, they were asking the Lord, and they prayed and prayed and prayed, and nothing was happening. And the, the hands were, nothing, nothing was happening. They were still painful. Um, the fingers were still mangled. And one of the people that was praying over this woman got a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit that, that the woman was harboring unforgiveness. And the person just spoke that out and just asked the woman, I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying that you have something that, um, someone that you have not forgiven. And this was like the linchpin for this woman because it released the floodgates. She immediately started crying and it led to this beautiful confession and um, moment of forgiveness where she forgave this person that harmed them. And as they were praying and asking, as this woman was praying and asking for forgiveness, her hands straightened out and her fingers straightened out and the arthritis left her fingers in a way that the pain was gone and she was able to move her hands in a way that she'd never been able to do before. And that is mind boggling to me because 
that's not how I would have anticipated the healing going. And my expectations would have been to pray for the hand and the hand gets healed. But I think that there's a perspective thing that Jesus sees the whole person. Jesus sees that there are things in the person that are keeping them back from their purpose here on the earth. And we might see just the one thing, like the fingers. But I challenge you that that we need to look at the people around us like Jesus looked at them and realize that there are so, there's so much depth to healing and that there's so many different um, components to healing. So this woman obviously needed the healing in her fingers, but she also had a spiritual and a relational healing that needed to occur. And because that relational healing occurred, the physical also happened. Um, So, yeah. I think it's just so cool, and I think it can be directly directly compared to so many things. Um, There are so so many different examples in medicine that are the same way, that a person comes into the hospital for a specific intent with a specific complaint, and then the doctors find a completely different source of that problem. And so I, I definitely want us to start to rethink and retrain our, the way that we pray for healing and the way that we um, pursue healing to think that what else is going on? What, what is keeping this person from their true identity and their true purpose here on this earth? The third question I want to tackle is, does God only heal when the anointing, quote unquote, is moving and when we feel his presence? And then kind of along the same lines, should I only pray for healing when I feel the anointing? And the simple answer is no. (laughs) Um, you should, you should always pray for healing because whether you feel it or not, Holy Spirit is still there and we all carry the Holy Spirit with us. And the kingdom of heaven, just like the very first verse of this series that we're looking at says, Matthew, 7, or Matthew 10, 7, proclaim as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it is near. And this is exactly one of the points that Parker was making last week, that we are citizens of heaven and we carry the atmosphere of heaven with us. And so when we walk into a room, the atmosphere of heaven walks in with us. And so whether we feel it or not, it is with us. And our citizenship of heaven is something that cannot be removed from us. Whether we, it's not a location thing, it's not a situational thing. Our presence carries the kingdom with us. And then there are so many stories in scripture. To name just two of them. Uh, Luke 8, 43 through 48 is the story of the woman who had the issue with bleeding for 12 years. And Jesus was just walking through the crowd. He didn't, he wasn't thinking about healing. And what did she do? She reached out and touched the bottom of his cloak and she was healed. So Jesus wasn't feeling the anointing to heal It was her faith that healed that woman. The second example, Luke 5, 17 through 39. This is the story of the man, the crippled man that was lowered through the roof by his friends. And think about that too. So 
what was Jesus doing? Jesus was in a house proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is near to a multitude of people. And there were so many people listening to him as he was being a herald and proclaiming. I listened, Parker. Um, <laughs> there were so many people listening to him that, these pe that the men who wanted to see their friend healed had no other choice but to bring their friend on a cot up to the roof and literally punch a hole through the roof and lower the, their friend at the feet of Jesus. And again, Jesus was not feeling the anointing to heal, but this man who was lowered in front of his feet in the, in the midst of him proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven was near, took up his mat and walked home in the view of all the people. So I'm, that, all of these things make me so excited because we are called to be like Jesus in that moment. We are called to proclaim like Jesus that the kingdom of heaven is near. And when opportunities like healing come across our path, that's a tool that we have in our toolkit that we can pull out and utilize because we steward the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus, Jesus was interrupted by these things all the time, but it wasn't his primary focus. His primary focus was to tell people that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is near. It is accessible. It is right in front of you. And that is the same purpose that we carry as well. So in wrapping all of this up, Parker said one liner in his talk last week that has been sticking in my brain for a while, for the past couple days anyway. And it was that we are called to be signposts of the kingdom. And the reason this sticks in my brain is because um, Catherine and I moved into a new house last year. And when we moved in, it did not have a house number. And the house is kind of set back off the road so it would, wouldn't really make sense to put a house number on a house because people doing deliveries or coming to visit wouldn't necessarily be able to see it from the road. And so for a year now, we've been living without a signpost. Well, I've had a little bit of free time, as a lot of us have. And <laughs> um, I finally went out to the hardware store and got some house numbers and made a house address signpost in front of my house. And so I've been thinking about this, and it's kind of a direct parallel to what Parker said, because for a year, that house has been the Marsman house, but it's kind of, we've kind of just been sitting back from the road and observing the people pass by and intervening when we want to and coming outside when we want to and accessing people when it's convenient for us. But now I have a sign and a number on my, right next to my driveway, right on the road. And the, the cool thing there is that now people can find us. Now people know where our number is. People can see that, oh, this house is, is belonging to the Marsmans. And the, the parallel that I want to draw here is that I think a lot of us, are like Catherine and I when we didn't have the signpost in front of our house. I think that a lot of us are comfortable sitting in our houses 
watching the world and the people and our coworkers and the people at the gas stations and where we see out and about kind of, we just, we're content watching them go back and forth. And when we see something or we need something, we intervene or reach out and talk with him. But my challenge to you is be the house with the signpost in front. Be visible and accessible so that people know who you are and know that they access know that you they can access the kingdom of heaven through you because it's contagious it changes things it changes the atmosphere it's it's um just something that will change the people around you and um it's up to us to do that so the challenge that i want to just bring for you this week two things one bring hope I'm, I obviously work in healthcare, and so I'm seeing the brunt of all of this that is going on right now. And there's a lot of there's a lot of things going around. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. As people who steward the kingdom of heaven, as these verses say, proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near. That should be radiating from us in every avenue of our lives, whether that be in person. Or because we can't be in person, that should be on our Facebook pages and on our Instagram. People should not, people should not be buying into fear and anxiety through things that we are proclaiming. And it's hard because fear and anxiety are contagious. And I understand that there's a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety out there. And there's a lot of reasons to be nervous about the future but we trust and we believe in a god that is steadfast and that same god led israelites through the wilderness for <laughs> decades and every single every single time that they were in need he provided he provided meals he provided water he provided shelter when they needed and he provided the strength to take down enemies when they needed and that God is the same God that is here today. So my, so my challenge is, in all of those avenues of your life, bring hope. People need hope to cling to right now. And then the last thing is, rethink and restructure how you bring healing to the people around you. I challenge you to look beyond the physical Look for that emotional, relational, and spiritual opportunity for healing in the people around you. I think these are the things that go unnoticed. These are the things that, well, and sometimes these things are the things that can be the most detrimental. In, I mean, in all, all, said, all things said and done, someone who is silently struggling with suicidality and depression is much more at risk than the person with the broken arm. But how many times do we pray for the person with the broken arm more, for the, more than the person with the depression and the suicidality? Those are both people that need healing, absolutely. But I just challenge you that there are people um, that, that need Jesus and that need that restoration to the ability that God created them to be. 
because um, God has so many awesome plans for every single person. And I'm just so excited to see God's people function in the way that he's intended and in proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. Um, so that's kind of what I had to share today. Um, I'm really excited to have had the chance to talk with you guys. Hope you've had a few things to take away. Um, tune in next week for part five. And I think we're going into worship now. So thanks for joining.